Welcome to We're Not Finished, a podcast presented by the studios of Key West. I'm Gwen Filosa. I'm a reporter at the Miami Herald. The studios is a leading art institution in South Florida. It's located downtown at 533 Eaton Street. For a list of events and more programming like this, go to tskw.org. Lori Mata, you're an artist living in Key West, and you have just been named, uh, you won this prestigious award, the 2022 South Florida Cultural Consortium Visual and Media Artists Award. Tell us, tell us exactly what this is a big deal. It is a big deal. It's, thank you. Thank you very much. It's, it's one of the largest, if not the largest grant for artists, um, certainly in the Keys and, and through South Florida. And it's a grant that's given to artists from different counties in South Florida that are selected. Um, and it's recognizing work done up to this point. Um, and it's just something that I think a lot of artists down here, we just apply every year because it's really, it's a, it's a really wonderful award and um, I'm honored to have received it this year. I've seen your, your landscape work. Um, you had a, you had a big show at the studios of Key West in 2018. Mm-hmm where you are and you know the studios d- described it as you know it's landscape but it also shows some emotional space and um mm-hmm. beautiful beautiful work it's it's not as like specifically defined like there's a lot I can I can work with when I see it mm-hmm. I we really actually my work now represents quite a big departure from that that body of work which really was my my whole trajectory you know kind of phase one of my career as an artist is represented by that work and and like you said it is very representative uh, not of a of specific landscape but evocative of space in that way we're kind of using those elements of landscape to suggest a space that kind of is more felt than literal and so that series was really kind of an expansion on that theme that I'd been working on in, in different ways of kind of creating that space with the context of, of having that kind of core of emotionality, which I, I think is the through line, even though my work up till now has changed quite a bit visually. I think that through line, that kind of sense of space and maybe a sense of kind of quietness, space and emotionality that before I was expressing through colorful, abstract kind of landscape forms that then kind of evolved into something a bit more minimalist as the color kind of dropped away. Um, great. And, and now again, you're, you're doing something you, you quite different, of course, now. Can you talk about, um, I love having artists on because I'm like, I can talk about visual art on, on a podcast. I, I can, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'll link to your site, but can you talk about, um, what you're working on now and and what's inspiring that because you've been in Key West for 12 years that's right yep yeah so this this body of work and and what um, is being recognized through the SFCC grant kind of shortly after that show in in 2018 I've been working in color and working with this kind of landscape landscape vocabulary for for many years, and I just kept having the feeling that I was kind of hitting a wall, and I think it's probably a common experience for artists in any kind of genre that I just felt like, I don't know if I have more to say with this, kind of this vocabulary right now, and, you know, it feels like writer's block, and it's kind of frustrating, and you don't really know how to push through it, but eventually, things started to come together in my mind that really the catalyzing experience for this whole shift was my sister passing away in 2017. And so that kind of slowly over the the kind of year or two after that experience and started to inform the way that I wanted to express myself where I became very interested, of course, you know, that experience of death and kind of seeing it close up really made me start to think about this idea of what's black and white and and what you know something like death 
is the kind of the most black and white that you can get, right? We're alive and then we're not. And it's supposed to be this really concrete thing. It's supposed to be bad. It's, it's this way. It's that way. It's so final. And my experience of it was so different than that. It was so much more complicated and so much more nuanced. And there was this, there was beauty and there was, you know, terrible times. And, and there was a real, it was so easy and so ordinary. And then absolutely extraordinary at the same time. And so I really became interested in wanting to explore that tension that, that kind of grayness between what we are told is black and white or what we assume is black and white, that it's actually very much not that way. And there's a lot of beauty in that kind of in-between space. And so through that, I kind of colored, totally dropped out of my work, which was kind of shocking even to me because that's really what it was about before was using color. But that kind of dropped away and I started to take black and white as those symbols of, of those kind of opposite states and kind of using that to explore these appearance of opposites and how they show up in our lives and how we relate to them. And so that kind of has manifested in work that's much more kind of minimalist. I'll kind of focus on a, a shape that's symbolic to me that I want to explore working with multiples that kind of speak to this nature of relationship and how things change and move and how we we experience time and events and kind of using all these separate symbols like black and white separate shapes disconnected shapes using those to explore the way that they actually are connected very deeply connected because um i lived in new orleans for a long time and kind of the way i grew up i um, when it comes to grief and loss and, and, and death, I, I kind of not really afraid of talking about it or mm-hmm. of exploring it. A lot of people are, they get, they mm-hmm. get, which is, I totally respect, mm-hmm. but I, I'm wondering, you know, it, like, you, is it a, is, is it somehow tap your emotions? I don't, I don't want to say inspiring you, but it informs you in a way, or is it, um, kind of like shutting down? I mean, what, as an artist, as an artist, that kind of pain or that kind of experience? Yeah, it, it absolutely informed. I mean, I, I, I don't think I could make this work if it were just an intellectual kind of exercise. I, I don't even think I would have considered it or, or gotten there had I not had that kind of catalyzing emotional experience. And I think my work you know, even though I tend to change mediums quite a bit, I like to explore with different things. I, I really don't paint in the traditional sense with the work that I'm doing right now. It's a kind of, I'm exploring a lot of different mediums, but the through line is that emotionality. It's like the, the trying to express, you know, we have these kind of transformational experiences that are really difficult to convey, to talk about, to to express properly because the scale of them is, is kind of, they're so intense or so, so big. And so my work is kind of comes out of the space after, you know, it's in, while we go through something, it can be really kind of heightened and extreme. And, but I feel like my work doesn't so much come from that, but the phase after where the pieces are, you know, you kind of, you've had time, you're, 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 you're sitting with it and, and, then the kind of you you start to have a perspective on it and you can start to kind of see how the pieces come together and so yes it's that it kind of doesn't exist without that really strong emotional core for me so it's like how how i'm conveying how can i convey that emotionality but there's still a a spaciousness around it and of course you do far more than paint traditionally. I mean, just on your, your Instagram account, which is really good, by the way, I really enjoy it. Um, one thing that pops up right away is this, these little series of small wooden houses. They're from mm-hmm. salvaged Dade County Pine. Where, where's mm-hmm. you, the secret where you got the Dade County Pine? No, it was a, really somebody's trash bin. No just way. Just walking by and seeing them sticking out. And oh. they looked beautiful. You know, stuff gets ripped out all the time here. And I just 
you know, they're just, they don't make things like that anymore. You know, it's beautiful old material and the old weathered paint on it. And that was just something that kind of just popped up. I saw the material and I, and I thought, you know, I wanted to be able to give it another life. And I think I, I, I've done some series in the past uh, on my website. You may have seen the series Dream Home, which is antique roof tiles with handmade paper kind of overlaid that kind of pulls the rust on the tile actually becomes like a dye that that stains the paper on top. And I, I love the idea of home, this really kind of complicated idea of, of belonging, but also nostalgia and kind of the veil of nostalgia and and wh- where we feel we belong and what what we're putting onto that notion. So that idea of home always has kind of stuck out to me. And then with these little houses with the Dade County Pine, it was just a really kind of fun, more more lighthearted way of dealing with that subject. I tend to kind of like to balance out my work like that, where some of it is is pretty heavy. You know, if, if you got into it, it's, you know, it deals with death and it can be kind of a heavy subject matter. But then I like to kind of look at those same themes from maybe a more childlike or innocent perspective to see what else we can see in that. And you have so many different, um, you know, you're working with wood, you're working with some stoneware and then Mm -hmm. I'm on Instagram and all right, there's this big rusted piece of metal that you Mm -hmm. found in Mexico. How you think it's a car fender. How did this get to Key West? Well, that it took up a lot of space in our van. Did you drive? The, you escorted it. <laughs> yeah, we were it. driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, I think so much of my process kind of comes from discovery, you know, following that discovery process, which is why I do end up making works from many different materials and different methods. Is once I find something that sparks that interest kind of no matter what it is, I have to figure out, all right, well, how do, how do I use this? What am I going to do with this to say what I want to say? And so we were out in the desert, we were traveling and, and you just find these incredible with that, you know, desert climate, these pieces that here they would have rusted away, you know, and dissolved, but there you just have these perfectly preserved pieces of history in the same way of like those roof tiles or this Dade County Pine here that there's so much history there's there's so much past and other people's lives that have touched these objects that now kind of hold this and and it's just beautiful that rusted surface I've worked a lot with rust as as a pigment and as a kind of a symbolic medium of of age and wear but also beauty and so when I found that piece you know this half buried giant metal car fender full you know with bullet holes it was just so such a compelling beautiful yeah right it's like it's it's so rich and I just couldn't leave it there I said I have no idea what I'm doing with this but I can't leave it and so right now it hangs oh it's It's still hanging yeah it's hang it's still hanging looks like eight feet I'm just guessing it's probably five feet okay but that's as tall as me that's a long yeah I love that you found this and like you make the note this would really only be in this condition out there, like in, in yeah. Florida, it would probably disintegrate right. or something. But um, that's just, are you, do you, every, I love found art, but when mm-hmm. I'm out and I'm like, well, maybe, maybe this is art. No, it's just the side mirror from a Honda Accord. <laughs> no one wants to see that, Tori. No one wants uh, to see You that never Honda know. Accord. Don't say that. <laughs> they might. I don't know. It's just, and I'm like, oh, I could, turn, I'm, I'm not a, an artist, but I, yeah. I, I love found stuff. I love stuff that, yeah people take like something like this what I love about it is um I know it's not art yet but it kind of is it's in your home I Mm -hmm. I look at that and something that most people would automatically pronounce as ugly Mm -hmm. I see history I see the this you know time uh Mm -hmm. people's lives kind of because that part of somebody's stuff that they exactly rode to work or to church or um, yeah Mm-hmm. I'm all, I'm always I always have an eye open for those kind of objects that that speak to me and sometimes they it doesn't click like something about it told me oh, I have to I have to take this I'm gonna 
find a way to use this. And that was, you know, a few years ago at this point, I still haven't done it, but I can feel that it's percolating in, and I have some ideas and those will probably evolve as I go along. But that, that happens a lot, that I'll find some objects, know that they're going to be valuable to me, know that I want to say something with them, but I don't know what it is yet. And then kind of years later, it's it starts to make sense, which is also what happened with uh, the series that I made after my sister passed, which was called Elegy. And much in the same way, I, I have gone to New Mexico quite a bit and at different different times. And every time that I'm there for, for years and years and years in the past, I would collect bones. Little, you know, because you find perfectly sun-bleached animal bones there that are really beautiful. So for for years, I would just collect them and save them, but I, di I didn't know what I would do with them. I just knew that they were so beautiful and so kind of compelling to me that I just kind of slowly amassed this collection. And then after my sister died, you know, in that couple of years after, thing, things kind of slowly, I was mentioning, they just kind of, pieces started to come together. And, and all of a sudden I had this realization that these animal bones that I had Bones in the past, they've been traditionally used to make pigments for sure. centuries and for, forever. They've been used to make pigments because they have this kind of amazing ability to, depending on how you fire them, they either produce pure white or pure black. And the idea that this bone, which already is kind of a symbol of both life and death, right? It's like st the structure for life, but also represents death also amazingly creates these other opposite states, black and white. And so the bone as a material just became, when I had that realization, that really was like a lightning bolt that people talk about. That, that was when, I, when something really happened and, and I realized, okay, now I, I know why I've been collecting these and I know what I need to do, and then began to create my own pigments with those bones that then created the series Elegy that kind of shifted my my whole body of work. That's, that, that is so beautiful. And I, I, I'm going to keep talking about the Fender. When you, yeah. like, I'm taking this, were your friends supportive or were they kind of like, oh, here we go again? Or were they like, no, no, I don't want that in the car? Did well, be clean? I, was, I was with my partner then and he did not fight me on it. I think That's he nice. knew. Yes, we have to just squeeze it in and we'll make it work and we'll step over it until we get back to Florida. Yeah. It's a good thing you didn't get pulled over. It'd just be like, I'm an artist and this is... Well, the bones, I mean, I had bags of animal bones too. It wouldn't look great. So luckily, it, no. It can't. would be a straight... In a police report, it wouldn't sound no. autistic. But, and again, you just got this huge... Um, this huge um, grant, the uh, South Florida, and I always love because um, I have a couple of friends who are artists, and uh, it's it's a monetary award of fifteen grand, but you also get this, you know, you'll begin an mm -hmm. exhibit uh, at the in Miami. But my my, my friend who she got like twelve grand recently, and she's like, yeah, that's like my whole life's work. You know, it sounds like this, but that's that's pretty good money for art, right? We don't fund it's art. It's fantastic. Yes, I know. Um, it's it's really true. It it is it's fantastic you know as an as an artist we all have to we all work other jobs to you know to try to to make this work and so to be able to be recognized like this and have a, an award of that size is just I mean it's it's incredible you know we I, I think artists would probably try not to think about the amount of unpaid hours that we've put in that's over what my decades family says. she's like you people know, think oh that's a chunk of change and it's like mm. Exactly. And the materials that I've spent, you know, I, I do not have any interest in looking up how much I've actually spent over the years because um, we just we know we need to do it and you make it work. But um, of course, it's it's incredible. And I want to mention, too, that it's that SFCC is supported in part by the, the Keys Council for the Arts, which yeah. is an amazing um, resource for us here. Yeah, there's a lot of opportunities for artists there. Now you are from Stoneham, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. um, to Clark, I know Clark. You know, I have oh, you do. Clark. Yeah, nice. Clark. That's some. That's some street cred with Clark University. I mean, this is uh, a yeah. 
to me, I envision it as a kind of a working class. You know, this is, these yeah. are real, real people. And when, when were you like, you know what, I'm going to do art. This is what I'm going to do. Were you a kid? Were you in college? I mean, you're still very young, but I'm saying like, when did you say this is what I'm going to do? It's funny. I've thought about that. And I think I just, you know, you know, from the beginning that you see the world in a certain way, maybe before you understand what a career as an artist is, you know, I don't know that I really thought about it like that, but of course it goes back to the very beginning in terms of my love for making art and kind of thinking about things in that way and kind of having that sensibility always from the very beginning. But I never really thought about, maybe it's just something in my personality. I don't know. I never really thought about, was one of those people that was like, I'm doing this as my career. I just kind of was more open and, and just kind of, all right, I'll, I'll go to college. And of course I'm, I'm going to major in art because nothing, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. So I was making those kind of choices but of course I had no idea what that would actually mean as a career or, a, you know, as a job you would do after. It was just always the obvious choice for me. There was nothing else that I was going to pursue like that. But of course, you know, after college, you're kind of set out into the world and, and I did a lot of other things. And so it's kind of, I had my own practice that I would do on my own, but you know, less rigorous when I was younger. I was always doing it, but of course, that you're working other jobs, you have less time to to really dedicate to that. And so I kind of explored life. I I tried all sorts of things and did you know different jobs, and always kind of came back to that. And then when I moved to Key West, that's really kind of when I was able to get more grounded and established in my practice, and when things really started to take off. What was it like moving here? Had you been here, or did you? I mean, it's a different place. It's a really I, I different place. You're from New Orleans, and it's actually quite similar in, in you know, smaller scale. Yeah. And of course, it doesn't have, you know, the kind of poverty and crime that I, you know, I mean. It, right. It's the, the idea, the kind of, like, you can be who you want here. It, that spirit mm-hmm. is the same as in New Orleans. And people wear costumes all the time, and it doesn't bat an yeah. eye. That's an eye. But this idea of putting, you know, life first and family and friends and then maybe uh, work or material things. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's what Key West was for me when I got here. I was like, oh, I can be who I want here. Yeah, totally. Totally the same. Yeah. I was traveling a lot uh, and kind of ended up down here. I hadn't been here before, but immediately could, could just, you just feel that it, it's a really special place here. And and it did feel so kind of like a, it's just, I mean, it's so beautiful physically, of course, which, which helps so much being inspired and, mm-hmm. and feeling kind of excited to be somewhere. But you could just tell right away that, that this was a special place and, and the community kind of being so open and just a, that you can really do what you want and be what you want in a way that didn't even really think about it coming from the Boston area. I just, and once I left that, I could kind of see how it's much more in places like that. You're much more kind of expected to kind of be serious about one thing and, and do that. And, and if I also, also wanted to be a musician, or if I also wanted to be a graphic designer, you're kind of taken less seriously, or at least that's how I felt, that you'd be taken less seriously in all of them. And at the time I was younger, I didn't really know. I wanted to explore. I wanted to try these different things. And here, everybody does that. Everybody is multifaceted. There's there's less, there's just less kind of categorization in general, I think. You know, people are, friend groups are much more diverse in age in they are you know in every in all ways it's just it's just much more open in a way that I just loved immediately I don't I don't think I know a single person who doesn't who either isn't a full-time artist or someone that does yeah here and was like I'm gonna do photography I'm gonna paint my friend was like I'm gonna do stencil art and now she has like shows and stuff yeah and, and yeah. I in my own small way like doing stand-up or emceeing shows mm-hmm. never thought I could do I, I could only have done right. that um yeah like you said you can someone tomorrow could be like I'm gonna 
play guitar and then they're they got gigs i mean it's 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 a remarkable place but i also like to point out to people and i'm not complaining i'm very lucky to be i I don't know anywhere else i could be right now i don't know if that makes sense that's the only way Mm -hmm. i I can be here i can be in qs but it's a remote place uh, the expenses come on we all know it's it's expensive everywhere it's insane here but it's the remote feeling and you know feeling it's hard to travel if you want to go to you know America, mm-hmm. wherever that mm-hmm. is. Um, but there are, are there things that are challenging? Because you could live wherever you want. I mean, I mean, we all could, but you really could. You could be in New York. You could be like, okay. yeah, I suppose that I t- technically it's it's true. But there's still just you know, and of course I think about it. You know, we I think about it often. I question, you know, should I consider somewhere else to be? But every time I do that, I'm just it's just a pretty clear answer for me that no this is this is where I want to be and, and it it's just it's home to me it's, this is a really special community and if it gets to the point where we're really we can't afford to be here then so be it and and we'll figure something else out but until then it's it really feels like home and it it, it feels like Key West has offered so much to me and still continues to in these ways really special ways that kind of come from, I think, it being a really small community where it feels like a small kind of family, tight-knit community in a way that just makes everything, everything kind of feels more relaxed and easier. Um, And like you said, leads to these kind of amazing opportunities. Like, yes, we're small. We're a tiny island. We don't have any big museums here. We don't have these kind of, you know, the kind of venues that you have in bigger cities, but it is small and so we're able to kind of make those steps to the next level to get a fantastic show at the studios of Key West for example and you know be able to kind of build this big body of work and you just get these these little steps that kind of lead you to you know that allow you to to grow in ways that I think would be a lot harder in another place. I just didn't expect this. I just came here because I needed a job and they hired me over yeah. the phone. And, and you brought up some great points about, you know, um, you move here and you have friends, you know, because every once in a while I'm like, oh my God, am I, am I ever going to have a washer and dryer? I'm sorry. That's right. something to think about. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Um, I don't care about shopping because you've yeah. seen that address. Uh, but then I think, you know, but Helen Harrison lives here and Judy Bloom runs yeah. our bookstore. Yes. And Emily Berg runs, I mean, and Elena Devers, like these amazing people are here yep. and, and it's just, a, it's, it's, a, it's something else. Mm-hmm. It is. I'm, I'm, beach, yeah. you know. um, and my final question is, uh, what are you streaming right now? Are you watching anything on Netflix that we should know? Oh, good question. I'm, I'm, I've gone back to the comfort shows recently, Arrested Development. Was on Netflix. And rewatching. I'm assuming you're rewatching. Oh yeah, rewatching for the nth time. Yeah, because okay. it's it's good when I have to do my you know busy work, computer work, throw it on. But I yeah. need, is there is there anything good that I should know about? Anything I recommend, new? but I only watch horror or true oh. crime, horror true crime. Uh, Sev- um, Severance is the best show I've ever seen, but it's on Apple. But. I can hook you up. It with all looked that. so good. Okay, it is okay, good. the best thing I've ever seen. Like it's just wow. Okay, I cool. was not expecting that. I mean, it's just boy, it it, it says a lot. And then, um, yeah, I would I'd recommend that. But also, we're on the Zoom. Is that your studio? Because it's the most organized mm-hmm. thing I've ever. Oh, it's not organized. Seen. Don't worry, yes, it it's is. not organized at all. You have I'm <laughs> yeah. dog sitting. That's why it looks like I'm in uh, pristine. Look oh. at that. Everything is on a shelf. Yeah, that part's pretty good. That's good over here. It's all pretty organized, Tori. It's it's there's really other no, you know, the desk, desk with a million things on it. No, the desk has a lot of space. You can see it. Yeah. And then I go over yeah, here. So it's, a, it's a small space, oh, but there's but some stone that you made, right? That's a it work. How oh how do you do you do wood, rust, stone, clay, bones? Do you just mm-hmm. know how to do this stuff or did you mm-hmm. do you have to go to people and say, Hey, teach me how to use a vice? I don't know what to it, it's a lot of trial and error. So, but, but for me, it's like, that's the exciting part is the part that's most inspiring is when I have no idea how to do something. It's both. It's frustrating. 
because you you know you, you see other people's finished products maybe in a, a new medium and you're like they know it's you know they know these things I feel like secrets and I'm like I just got to crack it and figure out how to make this medium work for my purposes but it's it's just a ton of trial and error you know where I think okay I need a clay vessel I, I it to be in this show I need something really large and then it's just a bunch of trial and error of figuring out methods to to create it. I mean, I I didn't have zero experience, but not in right. making that type of a product. But yeah, you just just trying it. A lot of failed attempts. A lot of you know. Then you've got to figure out how you want to glaze yeah. it, and that's a whole other process. And it's just yeah, time and trial and error, and a lot of research, and until until I get close enough to what I want. Well. Ramada, thank you for your time and congratulations on this uh, South Florida Cultural Consortium Award. This is big. You're going to have this big show uh, in a couple of years or next year. And, mm-hmm. and your work, uh, I'll, put, I'll put your Instagram notes on there. And um, right. if you see anything in like a Bones or probably not Bones, I'll text you and be like, do you want this Honda yeah. Ford side mirror? Yes. Great. I have people now that do that. They're like, I found some roof tiles on the side of the road. They're here. Go get them. That's great. I love it. I'll just, I'll send you a picture and you'll just be like, I'm blocking this number now, but um, Uh thank you. And uh, I wish you the best. Jackman, how are you? I'm doing lovely. Just waking up, ready yeah, for no, you know a full day. It is early for uh, for a performer in Key West. It's about twelve thirty. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Um, now I met you as Puddentane, uh, performer extraordinaire. You hosted the uh, was it Queer Keys fundraiser at the Key West Theater. Remember that? I definitely remember that. It was actually so much fun. Um, and I was beyond honored to be asked to do that. I thought it was really, that's a big deal. It was, I was. A big stage. And you were so funny. Oh my God. I'll never forget. Like you had me in stitches. Thank you. You, you were amazing. It was a big deal. I've done some shows. I know you have to, but that one meant a lot to me to be included, to be asked and, the crowd, how great was that crowd? They packed. Oh my God, they were it was like literally nothing but people who I love in the audience. It was awesome. Because I um I don't know about you. I uh I love the, the club, but the comedy club, but I it's a lot of tourists, so I don't know what I'm getting out there, but to walk out on stage and know yeah. everyone. Exactly. Well that's what Ada One's like as well. I mean, like literally last night I was like, Do we have any locals in the audience? not a single one it was all tourists it's always tourists which it can be great because the people come to us we don't have exactly. to tour but it was it's something else when the locals come out and oh um, yeah definitely and um how did you uh do you do you know the the queer keys people chris and and i do yeah i used to work with um flower at 801 and so that's kind of how we really became friendly um because he was a bartender upstairs and um uh he was like, I love you so much. And, you know, I uh, I want to, like, give somebody new a chance, you know, like, not just, like, the same old people who always, like, host shows. Because you know how this town is. It's, like, kind of have our people who do things like that. And um, he was like, I, I think that you would be great for it. He really wanted Vicky the Doll as well. Yes, it was a, a it was amazing lineup of people. Oh, so much fun. Chris McNulty, of course, will give him give him a shout out. He and uh, th- that group just I told them afterwards, I was like, everyone says thinks thinks they can sell out the QS theater, but you did. Oh yeah. And so um, cool. And it's an organization I really believe in, you know, because when I was a kid, I didn't have a youth group like that. You know, like I was kind of like, you know, ostracized like for being gay. So I think that's so amazing that we have that in this town. It, it is something that I, yeah, it took, it took two transplants to come here and say, hey, 
and it's there's a lot of people going in that like 30 young people and yeah I grew up closeted in Indiana well I didn't know you could be gay I'm a lot older than you and I just had nothing that looked or felt like me so I give them props now you are from Louisiana St. Parish I know. How do you know St. Bernard Parish so well? well? I lived in New Orleans for about 10 years. I worked at the oh, Times. Wow. I was at the Times-Picayune. Wow. You know what? I met a guy last night at the show who works for the Times-Picayune. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That is pretty random. For uh, I know. What are the odds? <laughs> I know St. Bernard Parish um, from just, uh, you know, living down there. I had friends from um, Araby. That's where I live. Are you from Shamat or? Araby. Araby. We call that Uptown St. Bernard. <laughs> they, people used to call, well, especially the women from Shamat, Shalmatians. I think that's really cool and not funny. The Shalmatian Nation. <laughs> that's cool. All right. That's, all right, that's, that's, it's funny when you say it, but what, uh, what are your memories of growing up in Louisiana I mean, I just, it was such a great place for family and friends. Like that was the most important thing. So I always say, you know, um, for me, New Orleans is so much of who I am. You know, um, I haven't lived there in about 10 years almost. Um, You know, I moved here from Provincetown, Massachusetts, but um, New Orleans is so uh, like deep down who I am at my core um, that you know, it just, it's nothing but happy memories. Um, I, you know, definitely was made fun of a lot back then. And um, it's a tough place to be gay, you know? Yes, but I agree. Definitely. I mean, like, St. Bernard, you know? But um, to me, it was such, like, a family environment. And it was just, you know, so friendly. And, um, and I kind of see it now almost as, like, a little silly. It's like, you know, um, you can always tell when somebody's from St. Bernard, <laughs> like immediately by their accent. You can just tell like right away. So, um, you know, it, it definitely, and then of course, yesterday was the, you know, anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. Yes. Mm. And that to me, you know, um, really that was kind of like the end of St. Bernard for us because my dad and I had moved to Lake Vista, which is like right by Lake Pontchartrain behind City Park. Um, mm. Literally like right before Hurricane Katrina, we moved to like an upstairs um, kind of duplex. But my grandparents lost their house. Everybody lost everything. Like my whole family, you know, was down there and they lost everything. So it holds a lot of... and. Do you know anything about gay Mardi Gras? Um, you know, I don't. I don't. I was there for a long time, but I, I was there. I, I moved in 2011. Is gay Mardi Gras, do you mean... Um, like, the, they have a lot of gay Mardi Gras crews. Oh, like, yeah, they, yeah, of course. Uh, of, uh, like, I'm in Raw and the Window, and um, I'm in the Crew of Armenias, and all of our balls are always held in St. Bernard. And so it's so funny because it's like I grew up around the corner and it's so funny to think that like it's like as a little boy I was like this you know so scared and now I go to St. Bernard and I'm in drag and (laughs) you know I go to see these gay balls and so it holds a lot of memories for me for sure. That's great. No, I don't. How did I miss all the gay balls? I was thinking of a crew de vue when you said that. Oh yeah well that's a lot of fun too. Um, Well you know the gay Mardi Gras cruise, it's kind of like, if you don't know about it, it can very easily be missed. They don't make a big presence, you know, because they are just balls. They don't have parades or anything like that. I missed out. I mean, could they have been there in 2010 or? I mean, they've been there since 1969. Oh, jeez. Some not... of the crews, they predate Stonewall, which is really amazing. That's amazing. Oh, honey, we're going to have to get into the history of it. I have a book for you. Um, I'm going to have to check it out. How did I, are the, is it all men? Is that why I missed it? No, I, well, back in the day, there used to be lesbian gay balls as well. Um, but of course, like lesbian bars and everything else, you know, that kind of went to the wayside, unfortunately. Mm. But um, no, it's like a very, 
you know, big deal. And it's very kind of like secret society, like very much like Mardi Gras, you know. There's there's you a lot to know. You'll have to come to Mardi Gras with me. I, I would love to do that. I would love to do that. Now, um, how old are you? Because you're a lot younger than me. I'm 32. I'm going to be 33 in October. Yeah, you're super young. I'm 50, which is sounds made up, but I am. And yeah. um, I, I'm wondering, like, um, what? when did you, were you performing as a kid, singing, dancing? When, oh, my when God, absolutely, you? yes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I always say, um, when I was a kid, I used to steal my cousin's dance costumes. Like, my cousins were, like, in dance school. And I'd be like, oh, my God, look at the feathers and rhinestones. Like, I want sequins. I literally have always had it in me. Always. And who did you, were there famous singers or people maybe in your family or people, who who inspired you? Was it someone famous or just someone you knew? Okay. When I was a kid, I used to do share impressions. <laughs> like literally I was 12 years old and I was like, do you believe love is love? <laughs> and um, uh, I, I got to give my credit to Cher, you know, like she really was the one who like, I was obsessed with her. And then, actually, I tell everybody, you know, I realized I was gay at a share farewell tour. For my 13th birthday, my mother got me tickets. And I go to the concert. Cindy Lauper opens. And she lights up the whole audience with a rainbow and sings True Colors. And I oh. looked around, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm gay. Oh, my God, everybody here's gay. <laughs> that, is, that is the best coming out story ever. <laughs> Joby. I was like, oh shit, I've been oh. doing these share impressions. And I'm here with my mother and everybody's gay. I was like, oh my God. And it all fell into place that you It I've kind of all fell into place after that, yeah. And it's True <laughs> Colors, which is the greatest song. I know. That was her first farewell tour. <laughs> if I was going to say, how, yeah, there were, and Cher is. I think Cher is the real deal. I think she um, paved the way for a lot of the, the so-called divas. Is, oh, is absolutely. a good word? Oh, definitely. Cool. She's the ultimate diva. She is. is the, the, and she talked about making her way, and she used to be a punchline. I heard stories about when she was in Mask. Was that her first role? Or Silkwood? And her name came on the screen, and the audience laughed. And I was like, well, she showed them. Oh, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. You showed them and um, uh, Beyonce or Adele. Who who would you rather meet? I know who you're gonna say. That's so hard. It I love like, Adele so much. And um, okay. okay, if it's Fat Adele, Fat Adele, <laughs> and not the new Beyonce album because I'm not loving it. I don't. Uh, what do you think? I, I I try not to have expectations, but I did. I thought it would be like lemonade, or you know, I thought it would be something. Um, I mean, everything Beyonce does is still good, but when I didn't. You are so uh, like infamous, like Beyonce, and you have an album like Lemonade. Like, mm-hmm. honey, everything else is like kind of like. It, I just feel like it falls short. It's not like instant hit like Lemonade was. Which, like, every single song on that album is like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Oh and the, the music, like, the whole music video is gorgeous, you know? Oh, like, perfect. this is not her best work. It's just, I mean, I, I don't know if she can do another Sorry. I don't know if that's possible. Yeah, maybe not. I would meet Adele. I would choose Adele, even though it is the most difficult decision. I think Adele would be more fun, but Beyonce would be more glamorous. Oh, Definitely. I take and you know back. her uh, her Beyonce. daughter Solange lives in New Orleans too. <laughs> I I remember I uh, I think we we were there at the same time. I'm not sure. When I lived in New Orleans, it was kind of kind of a do- dorky town that you know we we have a hookah lounge. It was like yeah, you're about ten years too. Late. Oh yeah. And Wait, I like one on it. Frenchman Street. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I liked it better, dorky and kind of. It's still dangerous, but I liked it kind of a hokey little make-believe city. Now it's super fancy. I haven't been there in several years, but um, I'm going back in October. And how long's the last time you were there? Um, it actually has been about a year, and it's been too long. Like New Orleans is always like on my list of like, okay, I need to go. Like I really just want to go and eat. Yes, 
and hear music. Like, mm-hmm. and of course, like, see all my friends that, like, I haven't seen in forever, you know? But it's, I miss it a lot. But is it, do you think it's too fancy? No, I, actually, I'm worried that it's too dangerous. <laughs> I'm scared. It, it is. I keep up on the news, and it's, I was like, uh, well, whoa. It was, um. But uh, I always say, it's like, you know, I'm so spoiled because I live here, and it's like, Honey, if you go out and get drunk in Key West, like, you wake up the next day, you have your purse, you have your keys, like, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody calls you an Uber, like, they got you a piece of pizza, like, I feel so taken care of here, and there, it's like, I'm scared, because it's like, people get mugged in the middle of the day. They they do, and I'm I'm so spoiled. I'm I'm spoiled in Key West. I've been here 11 years. I have, I don't lock my doors, and I know I'm going to pay for that someday. But only if I'm listening to a really scary true crime podcast, then I'll get up in the yeah. middle of the night and I'll go click. <laughs> but I'm saying like, it, it's just, I think Key West and New Orleans are a lot alike when it comes to the the feel, the vibe, if you will. Like people are friendly. People, mm-hmm. I think people are friendly. There's a fair attitude, you know, it's like, like and the, people, people enjoy their life here very much like they do in New Orleans. Yes, I learned so much in New Orleans, and I got there, and a couple of people at the paper, you know, we're all Yankees, and she, she, I remember somebody just going, oh, no one here has ambition, and it robs you of, and I remember thinking, okay, and then like a year later, the most important thing in my life is enjoying my life, and climbing some mythical uh, career ladder. How, how, um, what's a day in the life of Joby like? What do, what do you, how, how do you, um, make ends meet? How do you, how do you live here in Key West? Okay. So, um, I'm 100% a workaholic and Wait. I'm really trying to not be, but, um, honey, I work all the time, like mm-hmm. seven nights a week. So uh, today, you know, I'm not going to lie. I had a little bit of fun last night um, because I've been working a lot. So uh, today, you know, I wake up around noon, (laughs) which is uh, pretty typical. Um, Sometimes I go to yoga uh, with Nick Maza, which has been like one of the best things I started doing this summer. Oh, my God. Like getting back into my yoga practice has been amazing. It's really had me so centered and like. I feel so much better. And it's like, oh my God, what did I have to do? Start exercising? Who knew? You know? Like, <laughs> no. How great you'd feel. They lie to um, us. But generally, you know, I, I like to keep my mornings, aka my afternoons, like to myself open. Um, because it's my time that I just get to like center, you know. And um so I usually, you know, go to yoga, come back, hang around, have my coffee, um, maybe like have a little lunch, hang out with our dog, Mr. Charlie. And then um, uh, I work at Blue Heaven. So tonight I have to be there. And then I go there and then um, um, I usually come home (laughs) after. I'm, uh, you know, I think people think that because, you know, I'm a showgirl, it's like that, it's like, you know, this party lifestyle and Sometimes it is, but most of the time it's not. <laughs> most of the time it's one of my favorite places on the island is the Island House. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't been there a lot this summer because I've been worried about monkeypox. Mm-hmm. But I love to just go sit in the hot tub, have a glass of rosé, get a club sandwich, come home. That sounds that sounds good because yeah, you are. I'm, I'm sure you have a lot of um, fun. I, I when I do comedy or events, I'm, it, in my job, it's fun, but it's a lot of work being on stage. Oh, definitely. Oh my god, absolutely. That is it's work. Great. And um, how did you come up with Puddentane? How long have have you had Puddentane? Where where did that character okay. come from? So um, when I was a kid, my mother used to say this line. She'd say, "What's my name? Puddentane. Ask me again, I'll tell you the same." <laughs> so I remember her saying that um, um, and oh man I want to say it was like oh maybe 2012 um, um, I did a drag workshop and I used to have another character before Puddentane and her name was Lady Facile which means easy in French <laughs> nice and um, um, you know she was a little bit more old school and so I did this workshop and it was like super cool like our show was at the Always Lounge. Do you know Vin Santos? He was a drag queen in New Orleans. Like I don't. I'm, I clearly missed out on a lot of things. I know. I was drunk for a long time. time. 
I was loaded for years. Cleaned it up. Oh, are you sober now? I am, but I, I had some, I drank as much as I needed to in New Orleans. But it, I love that, honey, I'm sure. Things got dark for a little while, but I had fun, I, I oh. have to admit. But I don't know, Vic, <laughs> how do I not know? And Santos was kind of like a big deal at the time. Um, but he got me too or something like that. And then he had to like leave New Orleans and he kind of gave up drag. But um, he was from San Francisco originally and. He was very much involved with the Always Lounge. The Always Lounge was kind of like my home, um, my home theater in, in New Orleans. So, um, yeah, I kind of like developed this character. And um, the first song I debuted was uh, Fuck the Pain Away by Peaches. Nice. And it kind of like that night, everyone was like, oh, my God, you remind me so much of Divine. Like, nice. you're like one of her children. I can feel her energy through you. And. My makeup was very different back then. <laughs> I was going to say, but I, oh my gosh, a divine, uh, especially a child or a, a, a um, you know, a, someone that has divine's legacy. That's an amazing compliment. Oh my God. It was like the biggest, you know, it's like a descendant of that. Uh, yeah, definitely. But like, um, I wanted to ask, uh, like how long have you been in Key West, by the way? Uh, two years. Okay, because see, when I, after I saw you at the Queer Keys fundraiser, I think it was in June, late June, I I remember thinking, okay, where has this person been? Am I that out of the loop? Because I thought I just, you were so good. I was like, where have I been? But you're new. So I, now I feel better. It's all about me. That's you know, Glenn, I always say too, it's like, it's so funny because, um, as much of like an entertainer as I am, I'm a little shy and I have a little bit of social anxiety. And so I kind of just like hang out at 801 and then do my thing. And then I go home <laughs> or Bobby's Monkey Bar. A Bobby's, yeah. I, I am incredibly shy. I always have been. And I'm, it's not yeah. that I'm faking it, but for work, you can't be a shy comedian oh, or shy um, and you're so funny oh my god thank you that i have i think that was the best 10 minutes i've ever done on stage i just i, I wish it could be that event again i love that oh. I, I i i didn't know what to expect and it just felt like love in there and it was like the there was week, a lot of love in there the week of the roe v wade overturn it just it felt healing yeah. to, to be among um is uh is drag queen still an appropriate term like I never know what to say and I know people don't I mean to me that you know I like calling y'all just queens but yeah what do you think what do you what would you prefer what's what's um right you know listen in this day and age everybody's so into pronouns and being you know politically correct and all that I mean I always say just call me a good time (laughs) um (laughs) but yeah i think drag queen you know is definitely like honey the old school word that you know so gets kind of thrown around 801 and um in this circle is female impersonator and i hate that term i'm like honey i'm not a female impersonator i'm not impersonating a female my divine energy is like you know my divine feminine energy is like you know circulating and that's and that's the thing it's like you know i am I'm both. And, and I think of it very um, spiritually, kind of. It's like, I'm just letting that di- like divine feminine energy shine. And sometimes she's more feminine, sometimes she's more masculine, but most of the time she's more feminine. <laughs> I love that because only, I'm glad I lived long enough that, you know, learning a lot about the gender roles or the fluidity. And like, I love being a woman. I have no, I, I enjoy my whatever but yeah I, i've been able to Regina. let this masculine energy <laughs> come out like i can be masculine on stage and be proud of myself key west changed things new orleans great but it wasn't until i moved here that i didn't know how much i didn't like myself like it was really it's amazing how this place healed me and both places i moved accidentally like i just accidentally came to key west or i mean i i got a job over the phone but i don't know key west is i don't know you're I, why are we still here? It's pretty awesome. <laughs> well, okay. I feel like I'm stuck here. <laughs> so, me too. But I, mean, I haven't been past Kennedy Drive in like, you know, four months. 
I tell people, I'm like, I, I literally haven't been past Stock Island. <laughs> like, I've, I've, I'm just stuck I've, here on Petronia Street somewhere. I've caught that where if I have to go to Stock Island, I complain. I don't know what, but in New Orleans, a lot of people wouldn't cross bridges. Remember? Like, yeah. they'd be like, I, I never don't went cross to the or the North Shore. Oh my, or the, God. oh my gosh, you'd be like, people you live in the quarter and they never <laughs> leave. But um, here I've caught that. I live in Newtown. So every once in a while, I'm like, oh, all the way to Publix, it's right there. <laughs> I know. It's And I love going downtown, though, but I always feel oh, like, yeah. you know, I'm going down. Who says going downtown? My neighbors, they're all constant. I love it. They'll go, are you going downtown? I'm like, it's, <laughs> it's a half mile. I know, I know. It's crazy. It's like you could walk it, really. You, you know? could walk it. It's like another world, though. And, uh, and, and last question, what makes a great um, queen performance or a drag performance what or any performance what do you think uh, what are the the factors that that you know you've done you've killed it well I definitely think um connecting to the audience is like major that's number one um uh, you know like even last night like we were so slow uh totally quiet um I think we had like five people there you know for the early show but it's being able to connect to people and make them feel that's the most important thing you want to make them laugh you want to make them cry but you want to make them feel if you can make them feel you've done it they'll eat out of your hand they'll do anything the connection is what i didn't expect from comedy which i only did here. oh yeah start it took me you know i've been doing it almost six years with comedy qs they're so good to me but some every once in a while i, I love, love a crowd Oh, they, I love a crowd. I want it packed. Oh, yeah. so oh, definitely. I've had those nights where 13 people show up and we and we just have such a great show. They're so, like you said, you're connected and they're having a great time. You know what it reminds me of? I'm sure you've ridden in a Mardi Gras uh, carnival float parade or any. When it's you been float, a while. It's been a while. Yeah, me too. Me too. Muses one time, but I'm very proud yeah. of it. Her, when you throw the beads or the yes. throws and the person catches it, it just exactly. feels amazing. Wow, what a great analogy. Yeah, that's 100%. Definitely. Like, it's like you make that, you're like, this is for you. Bam! Here, here's your shoe. Bam! And it's just but, such a simple, happy Oh, yeah. Joy. It, small crowds, it's still, it's so hard, though. Like, even last night, like, honey, they loved it, but it was like, oh my God, it makes it so much harder. <laughs> you no, no, really have to work for it when it's, it's like rare. five people. You're but like, it's rare when I've done this a small, a small show. And uh, Tom Dustin, uh, the, he's a, like been a national headliner. He he helps uh, uh, run Comedy QS. You know what he says? Like killing in front of twenty people feels like bombing in front of three hundred. Exactly, and it does. That's so true. Oh my God, no, <laughs> totally. It is totally. rare. When a small show, uh, it you work hard up there for ten people. Oh, well, I'm definitely coming to see you for the Wednesday to kick off Women's Fest. Oh, thank you. Thank I'm really you, excited Jody. about that. It's going to be Jody, great. I'm, I'm just so glad I met you in uh, at a show, which is very uh, apropos for us. And uh, Joby Jackman, Puddin you're out there all the time. Where can people see you mostly at? So I'm at 801 every Friday, Saturday, um, and most of the time on Mondays. Um, I am taking a little bit of a vacation in September and October, um, but by the time Fantasy Fest is back up and running, I'll be, you know, on the stage. Um, uh, and I do host the free Saturday matinee every Saturday, 5 o'clock, and it is all ages, so bring the kids, um, uh, let everybody, you know, it's for the people of Key West, we do that for you guys. So that's great. Where, where is the matinee? It's at 801. Downstairs. At 801. Okay. Family friendly. That's great. That's great. That's great. Joby, thanks for taking the time. And we're going to have the best fantasy fest and women fest ever. Oh my God. I'm so excited already. Like, well, you know, last year was my first fantasy fest. And oh. um, I think it'll be nice to have the parade because otherwise it's just a bunch of like, naked old swingers which i loved which was so much fun it's definitely not like body bra it is its own thing it is a lot of swingers it's a lot of 
a lot of body positivity, I'll call it. And uh, yes. it, it, mm-hmm. nothing that's like nice. Mardi Gras. When I got here, people were like, that's our Mardi Gras. It's like, never say that again to me ever. No, honey, it's nothing like Mardi it's Gras. It's nothing. But the parade, the Saturday night parade is amazing. So I'm going to be in it. I'm so excited. Yes. I feel bad because my crew is like, when are you coming to make costumes? And I'm like, I don't know. I work seven nights a week and um, I have to go to yoga too. So, you know, but maybe tomorrow. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Joby, thank you. And I'll, I'll see you soon. Take care, Gwen. Thank Take you. Care. Bye. Thanks for listening to We're Not Finished, a podcast presented by the Studios of Key West. The Studios is a leading art institution in South Florida. It's located downtown at 533 Eaton Street. For a list of events and more programming like this, go to tskw.org.